Katuri gets to Nisna, makes a nice move in across the line, drops it back, connected, connected, touches up, they score! Oscar Lindblad buries it! And the power play goal ties this game in two! This is episode 70 of the Liberty Yell. Danny Deemer here with Chris Stompo. As always, how are you, buddy? Fantastic, and we actually have an announcement to make today. Huge announcement, and it couldn't have been done without the help of our loyal listeners, so thank you guys so much. But the Liberty Yell is now the official partner of Park Sportsbook. New users sign up today and use code LIBERTYYELL and get a $500 risk-free bet up to $500 with your first deposit of $25 or more. That's Liberty Yell, all one word. So if you think you have a lock tonight, why not get some risk-free insurance? I'm just saying. Yeah. Thank you guys so much, dude. Just to be clear, it's up to $500. It's of your own money, risk-free. They're not going to give you $500 just to make that clear. But, yeah, thank you for yep. everything. Thank you for the ability to, to do this. This is actually really exciting. I'm excited to get this going. And th- today's literally the first day that we're able to, to use the code. So we wanted to wait a little bit to make this episode because I know we made a tweet about making this episode about two days ago. So that's why it's a little bit late for those that are wondering. Um, We just wanted to wait for the ability to make this announcement. And Monday was the day I was going to start November 1st. So we're excited to get things going for sure. Yep. So just once again, it's up to $500. But in order to qualify for the promotion, you have to put 25 or more in. And once again... Thank you guys so much. None of this is possible without any one of you guys who listen. So, like you said, it's so exciting. And thank you guys once again. And let's get right into the Flyers talk now. So, West Canadian road trip. Four points out of six. Two and one. How you feeling? I mean, two and one out of a West Coast trip is a win in my book, in my eyes. I mean, I remember the first year AV was the coach. And we started, we started well. And then... Me and you were actually together after one of the games. I think it was one of the home games. I forget who it was against. But I remember we were sitting there after the game. And we were like, okay, we have to go through this West Coast trip. And we have to we have to come away with two or one. I remember saying it to you. But we have to, we have to come away with a couple of wins here. And that trip was the same trip that Carter Hart got pulled against Edmonton. It was the same trip that we did not come home with two wins with. And to have the start that we did at home this year against Vancouver, against Seattle, at Boston, against Boston. But then to go to the West Coast trip and then beat Edmonton, which was 5-0 and at the time, with Carter Hart after he had the same kind of – not the same. After he had that terrible of a game um, in 2019-2020, to be able to do that with Martin Jones playing lights out against Vancouver, to take four points out of six – even though the Calgary game definitely wasn't the best game in the world. But to take four out of a six is a win in my book, in my opinion. Yeah, the Calgary game, I chalked that up to just three different cities, three different West Canadian cities and four nights, tired legs. It, yeah. it's, the, it's the classic like game that you drop after you win two big games. And then you have another uh, game against a lackluster Arizona team at home. Like It always just feels like the, there's, you drop one, and that's the one. But even in the Calgary game, we were that was a one nothing game until like the third period. That game was a a pretty close game, even though it obviously wasn't the Flyers' best effort for a really long time. And the Flyers were in that game until the very end, and that's when I told myself at least that I was okay. It's officially over. I mean, I I, mean, I, t- I was texting you all night. I have a weird feeling that we're not going to win this game, but um, 
obviously I always had that thought back in the back of my head that we're going to win, but it really became clear towards the end of that third that we weren't going to win the game. But before that, it was anybody's game. I mean, Calgary, the first period, Calgary was outplaying us a tad by a tad, but not by much. But then after the second period, uh, towards the end of the second and the third, they started to pull away a little bit more. But it was definitely a game for a little bit. But more importantly, like you said, on this road trip two seasons ago, it was a low point for Carter Hart. Yeah. Whereas I think this one is kind of a high point. He goes in, gets his revenge in Edmonton, and I know they lost 4 nothing, but he, he was phenomenal against Calgary. He really he was, was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, he was the whole reason why they were in that game from the first and second period. I mean, if it wasn't for Carter Hart, they definitely wouldn't have been able to been in reach of that game for so long. I mean, it was a one-goal game, like I said, for a really long time. So Carter Hart definitely stood on his head. I mean, he he, he just looks so much more comfortable this year. Um, and the defense in front of him, um, the veteran additions that we've made in front of him have obviously calmed him down a lot. He just looks a lot more comfortable. He's coming out more. He's being a, more, a lot more aggressive to shooters. I mean, I was one of the first things I noticed in that Seattle game. I was like, wow, he's being a lot more aggressive than I'm – usually used to Carter Hart being and I mean it's really been working for him him and Jones have been probably like the brightest spot on this team besides Cam Atkinson I think right now honestly Cam Atkinson Giroux have been probably the biggest bright spots but in terms of like the overall thing I think Jones and Hart have been like the biggest stories in my opinion they've been they've been really solid to start like, if I'm just looking at it, if I'm taking a step back and I overview the start to the season, mm-hmm. two regulation losses against Florida and Calgary, who uh, I feel like people don't realize how good these teams are until they sit down and watch them play. Like, these teams are like they're on it early. Yeah. Deep teams. Calgary's hungry because they have been known as, like, chokers for years. So they're coming out this year on fire. Markstrom. How about Markstrom with three shutouts? I know. I already. mean, Jesus Christ. he's been on fire. I'm not saying it's nice to see Calgary come and beat us because obviously I want to win, but it's nice to see them actually be good because they've had a good and talented roster for a long time and just have completely been underwhelming. And It is nice, even though it's seven games into the season, eight games. I don't know how many it is for them, but um, I think it's six or seven. It's nice to see them play well because they have a – a very talented roster. Johnny Gaudreau is so good. How many times did we text each other throughout that game and just be like, fuck Johnny Hockey until he's a flyer? Like, fuck. Dude, that road trip is so annoying because one night you watch McDavid be a cheat code and then a couple nights later you're watching freaking Gaudreau do the same cheat code stuff. Like, it was definitely frustrating. I'm very thankful Pedersen wasn't on, hasn't been on his game to start this season. I mean, he looked like he needs to be sent to the AHL to gain his confidence. I mean, he looked like he hasn't played hockey. Legit like bad. Three months. Yeah. He didn't even look like he knew how to like stick handle. I don't know what's up with Pedersen, but hopefully he gets things going. Um, yeah, I mean, that was just an extremely impressive road trip from the Flyers. I mean, to beat Edmonton, they were hot. Edmonton was 5-0, and the best team in, in hockey. Game was on TNT. Connor McDavid was flying the entire game. Like It wasn't like we shut Connor McDavid down. Like, when Connor McDavid was doing whatever the fuck he wanted, obviously because he's Connor McDavid, but Carter Hart was really good. I mean, he, he was the story of that game, and he was the story of the Calgary game until Calgary pulled away towards the end, for sure. Can I just say this? That Edmonton game was some of the most fun I've had watching hockey in a long time. 
that was incredible the whole experience the whole tnt i remember i texted yeah. you i was like the intro was great like the way they led into that game and the, the the fact that it was back and forth action and it really just seemed like a like a heavyweight fight with like two teams just trading punches like on offensive rushes and to pull away in the third period like that when five three like I mean, Carter uh, that was a big game I mean, Carter Hart was making saves with his faces at one point. I mean, he was <laughs> he was standing on his head. Edmonton outshot us, thirty-seven to thirty-four. I mean, I, like you said, it was a it was a pretty back and forth game. So each team was getting their chances because Edmonton is not a good defensive team at all. But um, yeah, I'm just an extremely impressive showing. And then even though Pedersen isn't Pedersen right now, that team is still extremely scary. They still have Besser, Horvat. Hughes. I mean, Hughes scored. I mean, he's an extremely scary player to play against. Flyers look good, man. Yeah, they, the Vancouver has solid goaltending too, more than anything. Demko and Halak, like that's a solid tandem right there. Are you surprised? Um, not Halak. Are you surprised Demko didn't go instead of Halak? Even though they probably looked at it, it was like, Halak owns this team, so let's just let's just put him. Yep. Put him out there. That's probably yeah. What that's what they do nowadays. Because I was reading like Martin Jones got the start in Vancouver. Because not only is he from there, but his numbers against the Canucks are are their worldly. So I'm guessing they just have access to like what teams these guys play better against, and like that oh, goes yeah. into the decision making process. Definitely have access to all that shit. They have access to all the kind of information. Definitely, it's good to see uh Martin Jones get out to a hot start too. I mean, he's only had two games. But to to start out two and zero, and with the winning games that he's won, I mean they're against Boston and Vancouver. And Va- both of, Vancouver. both of those games, I have to say this: the first goal he lets in, like this has been the story of these two Martin Jones games for me. He lets in a goal, and then some doubt creeps in my mind where I'm like, oh, maybe those people were right, and then he just shuts it down, and then yeah. he just shuts it down from there on out, and kills all that doubt, and wins the game. I mean, I know it's two games, but. To, those are two big games, man. Like you were talking about, no Ryan Ellis, yeah, no Kevin Hayes to start the year at, at four, two, and one. Uh, I know you mentioned in your article today, like the differences because we started four, two, and one last season. Mm-hmm. The differences between the two seasons, and I think a big difference for me, and I would like uh, what you think a difference would be in the year as well. I think it's the fact that help is on the way. Like last year, we had guys like Myers and Patrick in who. We're honestly just going to get worse as time went on and just not translate to wins. You talk about guys like Frost coming, Ellis is coming back, Hayes is coming back. Um, help is on the way for sure. I mean, you made a really good point. We were texting during one of the games Ellis was in, the first three games, and he made a play in the corner, and we just texted each other. Myers isn't making that play straight up. It was just a veteran veteran play by Ellis. He took the body. And we just Myers isn't making that play, and like you said, yeah, like last year we started out four two and one as well. This year we started out four two and one. We've been outshot in every game this year, just like we were last year. That and last year the goalie stepped up. I mean Carter Hart to start the season last year was really good, but um, the difference between this year obviously is the additions that Chuck has made. I mean you got Broussard, you got Atkinson, you have Ristolainen. I mean he's been good. You got Thompson, McEwen, Brown, all these additions next to pro uh, next to Provorov, next to Giroux, next to uh Farabee. he's sprouting into an extremely good player i mean all these additions have just blended in with the with the roster beautifully so far i mean i know it's seven games into the season but like you said last year they came they got out to the same kind of start with the same kind of good goaltending still getting out shot but the difference between last year 
this year they actually have the depth behind them. Like Patrick's not playing three C. Myers isn't playing in the top four. You know what I mean? So like even though Justin Braun is probably playing above where he should be at this point in his career, he's playing. He, he's fine right there until Ellis comes back. I mean, we really need Ellis, but he's fine. He's been fine in my. He's opinion. a he's he's an actual bright spot to start this yeah. year. He has made plays where I'm just like Justin Braun. <laughs> Justin Braun's doing that like he's pinching in more than ever his shots on goal like I remember there was a time a couple years ago where I would like joke with you and say like like a Justin Braun shot like every time he would shoot it I'd be like yeah that that ain't that ain't going in yeah and but like now he's actually like dude he's putting shots on getting rebounds and uh remember his goal too I guess yeah. the Kraken, like, yeah, oh, that's how you know it. things are going fit. Yeah, we talked about that as soon as we both saw him fly down the wing and then let that shot go and it went in we were like what the hell I was like, what dimension am I in? Yeah, for sure. He's been awesome to start this year. And once Ellis comes back, he'll be dropped back down with Yandel. And then that Yandel and Braun pairing will be back together. And then everything will be right in the world because Ryan Ellis is smooth as fuck back there. Can't wait till he gets back. Do we dare dive into the Lehigh Valley Phantoms? Do you want to do that real quick? Yeah, I think we should check in because it has definitely been a hot-button topic for me and you the last couple of days. I honestly think we've talked more about the Phantoms in the last couple of days than we have the Flyers just because it's it's so frustrating that they put all their eggs in the AHL basket with guys like Samu and um, who else? Yeah, yeah Frost, Forrester, Frost, yeah, yeah, Forrester, all them dudes. York. And so they wanted to – they saw what – I think they're too confident after what they saw Wisdom and Forrester do – last season and remember me and you were like oh it's kind of like they skipped a year yeah i think they looked at it the same way and we're like oh we we probably can do this again well the phantoms have now not won a game (laughs) through seven it's been bad yeah seven they're oh five and two oh my god like that is ridiculous i i that team is not an oh five and two team maybe under ian laperriere they are maybe they are but they have enough talent there to win a game that's probably the most frustrating part about it all is they have the talent on that team and the quote-unquote veteran leadership. I mean, Connor Bonneman has been up and down on the AHL, um, AHL and NHL for the last, what, three, four years. I mean, he has tons of experience. Jackson Cates just came from college. He doesn't have a ton of experience. Logan Day has experience. Mayhew has experience. Cal O'Reilly has experience. Sandine's been playing in the SHL. He doesn't have a lot of experience over here in America, but um, he's still kind of a veteran. You got Garrett Wilson. I mean, you got veteran guys on this team mixed with nice young players, and it's kind of the same thing up with the Flyers. Like they have that nice mix of young players, and then you have the veteran players. But I mean, the Phantoms can't even like break out of their zone, Danny. I mean, I don't know if you've watched any of their games, but. It has been some of the ugliest hockey that I've seen. I mean, they get a lead and they give it up. And like it, it, it reminds me of the Flyers from last year, honestly, because they get a lead and they give it up seconds later. I mean, they had the 2 nothing lead a couple games ago. I don't know if it was two games ago or not, but and they blew it like two minutes later, maybe. Maybe, maybe less than that, honestly, but it, it's been brutal. Really just sloppy hockey, honestly. You know who I feel for the most in the Phantom situation? Uh, who? It's Cam York. It's actually <laughs> Cam York. <laughs> Why? And we'll, I mean, we'll get into Frost in a bit here, but it's actually Cam <laughs> York because if you think about it, we've mentioned the last two years how he's just constantly climbed the ladder and gotten better. I mean, like gold medal, yeah. captain of Michigan, captain of Team USA, play on that dynamite Michigan team. 
playing great hockey, and then his first full year of professional hockey, the team can't break out of the zone. It, like, it, that sucks. I, it's been brutal, dude. I mean, obviously it's still early November. It's only been half a month of hockey, so there's still a ton of time to turn it around. And they have a game coming up on Wednesday, and they have another game on Saturday and Sunday. So, I mean, they they have time to, to turn this thing back around. But the start has been has been brutal on how, how anybody could defend the start. I mean, it's been some of the worst hockey that I think I've watched in a really long time. I mean, it's just they don't look like they want to be out there. There's no, like, oomph to their skating, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing... I I don't know. Maybe it's the system that they're playing in because it's it's every player. It's not just like you can't single out one player and be like, okay, this is the problem. It's the entire like the entire team isn't creating, but w- with the exception of the frost line. Because according to Tony, what's his last name? Danny, I always butcher his last name. I want to say Androcatus. Yeah, Tony. He always. Oh, the other night he was updating on that game like. Against, I forget who those Phantoms play. I think it was the Penguins. Either the Penguins or the Syracuse Crunch, I think their name is. But he was saying that the Frost line was absolutely buzzing the entire time. It was the two-point Frost night. But other than that, it seems like the only line that is able to get anything going is is a line that Frost is on. And, I mean, you can't rely on one guy to, to, to create your offense. Like You need two, three lines of scoring. And if the top line's the only line that's going, then your team's not going to be very good. And they don't defend well. Like They don't defend the front of the net well at all. They don't defend rushes well at all. It, it, it's brutal. It's brutal. Like I said, there's time to turn it around. We'll see. But It, it seems like one of those things that's just going to keep snowballing and getting worse, too. And I worry about how LaPerriere is just going to handle this situation down the line. This is a difficult situation to drag your team out of this. Like... I'm just. I have questions of like, how prepared is he yeah. for the ups and downs of a of a hockey season? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with you sitting there and having questions about if he can turn a hockey team around. I mean, he's never really coached a hockey team, but um, I mean, yeah, I don't think it's unfair of you to to have questions. And I mean, I certainly have questions. O five and two is not a good start. Whether whether you're a veteran coach, whether you're you're a first year coach, no matter no matter how you spin it, I don't care if they've been in two two one games and blah blah blah, they're o five and two right now, and they have not played good hockey at all. So he needs to turn the ship around, or he's not going to be coaching the Phantoms very long. I mean, I don't know how you can justify if they keep losing games. I like even though he's a first year coach, and you want to give him time, and you want to be patient, of course. It's only been, like I said, half a half a month of of hockey. It's it's November first today as we speak. So we don't want to jump the gun too crazy. But oh five and two, like I said before, n- no matter which way you spin that, it's bad. It's bad. Now let's finish the whole Phantoms thing off with Morgan Frost talk. Okay. Because I think it's warranted. I think it needs to be. I think some light needs to be shed on the situation because I think there's a lot of darkness over the situation, right? A lot of unknown. A lot of vagueness. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's as simple as go down there and get your timing and come back. Yeah, I mean, the more and more... He's not lighting up the AHL right now, but how could you on a team that can't break a puck out? I mean, I I, I don't want to be sitting here and being like, oh, let's give this guy excuses for not 
tearing up the AHL, but I mean, the team is 0-5-2, and, and nobody has been able to create anything, like I said. Like, you can't look at one guy and single him out. I mean, I know LaPerriere did sit him in, like, game two, I think it was, because he said he, quote-unquote, needed more from him, even though the whole entire team had two goals in, like, the first six periods of the season or something like that. So I don't know how you could look at one. Like, yeah, he wasn't creating the way he should have been at the time, but I don't know how you could look at him and be like, you're the one who has to sit despite my team having two goals in six periods. And then a six-on-three happens, and you have a chance to jump back into the game, and he's still on the bench. So how is he supposed to get his offensive <laughs> offensive confidence back if you're sitting him on the bench on a six-on-three? Like, okay, if you want to sit him, that's fine. If you want to send a message, it's your team, he's your player, do whatever you got to do. But a six-on-three, when you got to like come back when you're down by like two goals... This is arguably the second most skilled player is sitting on your bench. Like it was it was questionable in the moment. I had questions about it in the moment, but ex- now that the team is winless and o five and two, it looks bad. it goes from questionable to unexcusable, inexcusable. No doubt about it. You can't do it. Your team now doesn't have a win through seven <laughs> games. How much do you bet? You wish you could go back to that six on three and put your best offensive player out on the ice. It's a good point. You might have a win. Yeah, and like I said, like I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, like he shouldn't have been benched, or oh, Frost shouldn't have been benched. Like, no, like he wasn't creating the way Morgan Frost should be creating. The last four games, he has been. He's had, he has three points in his last four games. He has a goal and assist in his last game, and then the game before that, he didn't have a point. But the game before that, the game before his two point game was arguably. His best game of the season. I mean, he was creating left and right, but nobody around him could finish. Not Obviously, not everyone else's fault. But, I mean, the, the team has just been terrible, dude. So, I, I, I can't... It's hard to... It's hard to gauge a prospect's development on a team like this. Like, Tyson Forrester hasn't done anything in a couple games. It's hard to, to, to gauge a, a team that's 0-5-2. Forrester has one goal, one assist... Two points in seven games. I mean, I, I know he's 19 years old, but like having a prospect on this team playing like that on a 05 and 2 is just not good. No, no, much matter, no matter what way you spin it, it's not good. Not good for the Absolutely. Yeah. I think you on a team like that, you take any kind of momentum, any kind of confidence, and you run to the bank with it. Frost yeah. has a two point game on a winless team. How much better is it gonna get? I, I mean, I'm. I mean, maybe if he does it a couple more times, that could be better. But what if he doesn't? What if the team, like you said, can't break the puck out and it just keeps snowballing? Then what do we do? Because the schedule, the Flyer schedule, gets harder and harder as the month goes on. And it seemed like, at least to me, this game against a winless Arizona team that is historically bad with a Hayes injury. It seemed like a layup game to just kind of see what he has because it would be different if the Phantoms were good. I would say, all right, let's not break up the momentum. Let's not yo-yo him. The Phantoms are so bad to the point where I really don't think it would hurt the kid to get on the train to Philadelphia and go stop the Coyotes. <laughs> That's just my opinion. No, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you, but I'm going to play devil's advocate and just go go off of what Chuck said when this all first happened and when they first sent him down. And he said that the, he's... They're not going to yo-yo him, and they're not. he's not going to be back until he's ready to win games for the Flyers. And I, but Chris, I, counterpoint for you. Hmm. What if he comes up and he re- he makes it so that you can't yo-yo him? 
What if he comes up and doesn't look back? Hey, no, I agree with you. If it was up to me, he would have been on the team by now. But I agree with you. I mean, 0-5-2, how much worse can it get with them? Um, If it continues to get bad with the fans and they they continue to lose games, how can you gauge this prospect the way you wanted to? Like, you sent him down there thinking that that was going to be a good environment for him. And that's just not a good environment for any kind of prospect. It's not good for Cam York. It's not good for Forrester. It's not good for Wilman. It's not good for... Like, we're not just saying Frost. It's not good for anybody down there right now. So... Obviously, looking at it like that, you can't call it. You can't call every prospect up just because it's not a good situation down there. But he is 22 years old. He's not 19 years old like York, Forrester, and these other prospects are. Like he has NHL experience. He impressed the coaches. Like they wanted him on the team, but he was sent down because of Chuck Fletcher because he wanted to get his offensive timing back. Blah blah blah. Okay, he has three points in his last three games. My, me and Danny's question is, what's the criteria? Does he need to have, like, a point in four straight games, a point in five straight games? Does he have to have a two, two point? Like, what's the, what are we doing here? Like, what's the. Exactly. And my question is, is it, is it a criteria on, I don't know the answer is obviously somewhere in the middle. Is this a, a criteria on the Flyers or a criteria on Frost? Like, are they looking for a three point game? And another top six injury? Like, is that the stipulation? Or is it just, if he's playing great, he gets the call up? Or is there a criteria that if the Flyers need a guy due to injury, he's the guy? That, that's basically what I'm just wondering. I just just want a little light shed on the situation. Because like like we've said before, the kid's 22. Yeah. Pick, picked in 2017. I mean, Coots got injured last year. Who filled in for him? Morgan Frost. Kevin Hayes gets hurt this year. I know we have Derek Broussard and other depth pieces. But there's, there's just still question marks because like, the coaches love him. Uh, GM wanted him to get his timing back. And like you said, what's the criteria for getting your timing back? Actually, it's pretty funny that you say that because Chris Mayer actually did correct me about that. When when Couturier went down last year, Frost didn't replace him. Hayes did. Frost played as the 2C. So now that I'm... Uh... Well, I mean, yeah, same. Yeah. Same kind of point, essentially. Like, I'm not saying, like... Because he wouldn't even be playing 1C here anyways, like now. So, no. like, like, if he slotted in 2C last year, he can't even... I don't know. Can't even crack the lot. I don't know. Question mark stumps. There's a lot of question marks for sure. Our 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 thing with that is like like you said, if the Phantoms were actually good, and he was and he had three points in his last three games, two points in his most recent game, then okay, yeah, okay, like let him stay down there and and, and get a get a point every game and, and really get his confidence back. But if he's down there on a shitty team that's not winning hockey games, they just outright not winning hockey games then yeah, there's definitely some questions that needs to be had for sure let's get into the mailbag because it's rather yes. large and uh, i'm sure people have been waiting for this episode for a bit for these questions to be answered yeah, so let's get to it you take um, the first one all right sure adam says which new acquisition has surprised you the most and why is it martin jones <laughs> um i'm gonna go I'm, I'm still gonna go cam atkinson on this one because one-for-one trade, it's looked at around the league in the national pundits as almost like a salary dump for the Flyers in the way. Like, yeah, they're getting a good player back, but they're not getting a a quote-unquote elite player uh, like Jake Voracek is looked at, looked as sometimes. So I'm going to pick Cam Agassi because he's scoring big goals, timely goals, six goals. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? What, what Has Voracek ever had six goals through 10 games? 15 games? I mean... 
Yeah, I mean, like, we're always going to go back to the point where, like, the trade helped out both teams and what they needed. So, like, that's what I'll always go back to with that. I mean, the Flyers needed a shooter. They got a shooter, and he's been shooting. Um, and Columbus needed a passer, and he's been passing there. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's – I think both teams got what they needed, and it's been really good for for both. Yeah, absolutely. It's a better team fit. Like you said, he's playing with line A. Perfect for him to get the guy who – just wants to shoot. That's all he wants to do is bomb the puck. That's perfect for him. Yeah. And for Giroux, now playing with Atkinson on the power play, that yes. feels like a natural fit. Just going to bring that up to you, too. I mean, how exciting is that? For a guy who has six goals through seven games, and now he's going to be playing with Claude Giroux on the first power play unit. Giroux's going to be on the right wall. Atkinson's going to be on the left wall. It's going to be fun. And you have to think that they're going to, like, at will switch that up, right? Because I've noticed this year the Flyers, they'll have one power play set up for a while, and then out of nowhere, Drew's right wall. Like, Drew will be left wall for eight straight power plays, and then he'll go to the right for one, and it'll work. Like, when he bombed the goal against Florida. Yeah. Um. So, that's what really gets me excited about those two, being on the power play together, is because you could swap them out either way. Like, you could have them each on either wall, and they're both just going to feed each other for great scoring chances either way. And power play, too. I mean, me and you always talk about it. We talk about the fact that growing up watching Flyers hockey, we've never had a second power play unit that has threatened to score. I mean, our second power play units growing up have been brutal. I mean, I was 10 years old when the Flyers went to the Cup in 2010. That second power play unit was okay. But after, like, 2011, 2012, the power play units up until now, this is the best second power play unit that we've had since I was 10 Nine, ten years old, easily. It's I. It's been seven fucking games into the season, and I'm I'm not even scared about saying that. I I'm really not. Not at all. He's been great. Second power play unit's been awesome. Now Yandel's moved down to the second power play. He's no longer the uh, the, the quarterback. And I like that. I yeah. actually really like that decision. And it's not because of how Yandel has played on the. I think he's been okay. Uh, more, I, I like Farabee with him, man. Like, remember in the opener when Farabee yeah. scored the goal against the Canucks? That was from Yandel. And I knew as Yandel was giving it to Farabee, I knew it was going in. Dude, when you give a guy who can tee you up like that and a yeah. shooter who can bomb it like that. I I personally just think Yandel's presence is more needed on Power Play 2 than it is on Power Play 1. Like, that calming presence that can keep a, keep a play alive on the back end is more needed on a power play that doesn't have Claude Giroux on it. Like, I, Giroux's the guy on power play one that I'm looking to to calm things down and, like, make that pass, make that elite pass. Like, having Yandel with Giroux is awesome, yeah, but spreading Yandel out to power play two and putting him with Broussard, Farabee, Ristolainen, and JVR, I like that. Let's see, what, see where it goes, because we all know Provorov, even though he's not the best quarterback in the world, he could still do it, so... It's a pretty yeah, good... and he's played with these guys long enough to know what to do. Like he he knows how to play alongside Claude Giroux on the power play, what he needs. Yeah, and that first power play is identical to last year minus Voracek. Atkinson's literally in Voracek's spot, and then Giroux and Atkinson get flipped. That's literally what it is. And then the second power play is the new additions plus Farabee and JVR. So we'll see how they go. Something's gotta uh, something's gotta change because the last couple power plays have not been not been good for the Flyers so they definitely need to change that around 
Chris Mayer says, what have your guys' thoughts on Farabee on the PK been? He seems to be excelling in that role and is obviously a very good defensive forward as well as his offensive production along with it. Yeah, I personally think Farabee and Atkinson should be the uh, the PK duo, like the third or second PK duo for the rest of the year. I mean, I think those two have a lot of chemistry together, and I think they would be really nice. I mean, Farabee, we all knew Farabee coming into his NHL career was an extremely good two-way forward, so it's not a shock that he's on the PK and doing well, but um, it's nice to see it for sure. I mean, he has the, the offensive ability to turn uh, like a, a nice little – poke check at the blue line the other way and, and, and pot it. So, yeah, I, I think him and Axon together should be a thing more going forward. So, yeah, I mean, I love it. We, they have a ton of guys that can that can work the PK, so it is fun having options back there. Yeah, I think he's been great. His ability to snatch the puck, like to get takeaways, to read passing lanes, I think is – like this kid awesome. just keeps learning. Yeah, he keeps improving and playing the right way, and it's fun to watch. Before we go on to the next question, I just want to mention – the power play within like the last three games. So the last three games, we have gone one for ten on the power play. We went zero for two game five against Oilers, one for five against Vancouver, and then zero for three against Calgary. So two for fourteen. It definitely needs to improve for sure. Two two for fourteen within the last like four games. So. Yeah, it's, that's definitely a drop-off. Because didn't they start pretty good? Yeah, very good. They started uh, against Vancouver. They were 1-for-3. Game 2 against Boston, uh, against Seattle, they were 0-for-2. But against Boston, they were 2-for-2. Two two. So they started pretty well. They did. Uh, In the net, Hockey says, Thoughts yes. on Ristolainen so far? He's had some rough plays, but overall has played well, in my opinion. Also, thoughts on Ellis's durability? You could take that one if you want. Uh, yeah, I think Ristolainen's been good. He's definitely been getting better as time as uh, going along here, and the rust is shaking off. Uh, we said it, Vancouver game, probably that pairing's best game to date. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, he's just been making great physical plays that lead to clears, things that, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily see a guy like Phil Myers do last year. Um, time will tell with him, I think, though. I think you need more time to really get an opinion on him. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally think he's been as advertised. I mean, he he makes a couple of boneheaded plays, but, I mean, nothing nothing crazy that's going to result in, in a goal or anything. He yeah, he does have a couple of uh, of gaffes here and there, a couple of giveaways, but he has this, the size, the physicality to kind of overcome that. And like you said, he does open up a ton of just open clears for Sandheim. I mean, San, I've seen Sandheim countlessly, countless times. I don't know why I say countlessly. Ristolainen will body somebody in the corner. The puck will come loose. Sandheim skates over real quick, corrals it out of uh, traffic, and then exit the zone. I mean, we've seen it time and time again where Ristolainen's physicality open up space. So, like you said, I th- give him more time because he did come into the season kind of kind of cold because he got hurt in training camp and then missed the first couple of games. So, yeah, definitely give him a little bit more time. I love what he's brought. The physicality's been awesome. So. Ellis's durability. Now, I mean, this is a valid question given the fact that he went on the West Canadian road trip. Uh, usually, when a, a team brings a player to travel on a road trip, they expect him to play at some point in that trip. So, obviously, there had to have been some kind of a setback. Uh, Lane Vigneault said it's not a setback, it's just worse than we originally thought. That's kind yeah. of a setback. Um, <laughs> that's a setback, in my opinion. But I, I don't mean, know. 
I mean, yeah, he he basically said that it's not a setback, but yeah, <laughs> it's just worse than we previously thought. It, it definitely sounds like a setback to me, but we don't really know what it is with, with Ellis. So, yeah, it, it definitely sucks not having him. It sucked not having him for Calgary. That would have helped getting a guy who hasn't really played the last couple of games back for a game like that. But, hey, the Flyers just want to be careful with him. They want to make sure he's 100% when he does come back because they don't want to mess around with a guy like Ellis because they know what he brings. So if you're going to be slow and kind of diligent with him, then I'm okay with it. One thing I will say is if the Flyers lose that game against Edmonton and Vancouver, lose both of those games, I think he's playing against Calgary. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's the fact that the Flyers are they're getting by well enough. They're doing they're doing good enough. Yeah, they don't need to rush them back. We lost against Calgary for nothing, but that that game wasn't really doesn't look like a for nothing game if you actually watched it. Like like I said in the beginning of the pod, we were in that game for like half of it. It was a one nothing game for until like the almost the very end. So, and now he might not play against the Coyotes, which I mean, it's the Coyotes, man. We should be able to beat them. Like we don't need to rush him back for the guy. Yeah. I I understand that. Save him for I think Pittsburgh is the game after that yeah. in Pittsburgh. Save him for that one. Definitely don't have to rush him back. But like the, before you read the next question, I just want to mention the Flyers have been in like, every game that they've played so far. Even the games that they've lost in regulation against Florida and Calgary, they they've been in those games. They played those teams hard. Game honestly, games could honestly went either way. So it's it's really nice to. To have a consistent hockey team. I mean, seven games, eight games through, and we've been in in every single one so far. So I'm excited. Um, I like what I see out of them. I like the consistency. Need it to continue because now I'm getting nervous with like those <laughs> those stats that I found earlier. I just need to see the consistency continue and the veteran additions keep producing and keep showing up when we need them to. I don't think Atkinson's ever going to stop. So I hope not. Yeah, He's on an insane pace, dude. Uh, Drew Smith, our leader of the Liberty <laughs> line. Yes. You fellas see any red flags with the hot start? I know last year we got off to a similar start, and then we all know what happened. Yeah, so I wrote an entire article on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we. Yeah, I mean, you can take that, Danny. No, I mean, your article hit all the points. I mean, the stats are scary similar. I was hoping... Going into that, you were going to be like, oh, no, no, the stats are just, they're different. It's different. But I do think it's actually different. No, the, the, the stats aren't really that different. But the eye test, if you've watched the first seven games, you know for a fact that it's different from last year. I mean, I absolutely we, we went over why it's different from last year with the, the additions that Chuck has made. But the stats are definitely like eerie familiar. Um, I'll read them out real quick. Why not? 2020, through the first seven games, we were outshot 239 to 173. In 2021, this year, we were outshot 235 to 198 through seven games. Uh, last year, the goals against and goals for were tied 25 each way. Um, this year, 25 to 21 Philadelphia. So we've scored the same amount of goals than we did last year just through the first seven games, but we have let four less goals in than we did last year. So the defense and goaltending right there is better. Um, you can just tell through the first seven games so far. So, yeah, like the, the stats are familiar, but the defense, I mean, the, 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 the forwards coming back and playing defense, we mentioned with Broussard, the goalies stepping up and doing their job, it, you know it's different if you've watched and covered the games like we have. So don't have to explain ourselves that much. 
So going forward, we got Arizona. Yeah. What? What are? Oh, that should be the game where we can kind of maybe put those stat similarities in the rearview mirror, come away with a big win, go five two and one. Were they five two and one last year? That's an interesting question. <laughs> I don't even want to fucking talk about it, dude. Let's just let's just beat Zona. Like if I, like let's not put let's not put the W up yet, Eve. Because <laughs> you never but, know. This is classic Flyers to go and lose this fucking game against Arizona. No, they are <laughs> stumps. They are so bad. If they lose that game, oh, I know it is bad. Like if they lose that game, they deserve every kind of shit talk on Facebook they get. I mean, I'll be talking shit if they lose against Arizona, dude. They were 0-8-1, bro. They are a bad hockey team. Coming off a loss where you got shut out at home. Yeah, we, this is our game. Half, if, it, it, if it's not, I, I'm going to be a nuclear bomb on this podcast. I might just be. record one on Wednesday. Nah, it will be. It will be. It's our, definitely our game. But after that, we got Pittsburgh and Washington. So definitely going to be some two, two hard games. Across at the end back. of the day, dude, 4-2-1, man. Like... It's about what you do from 4-2. We can compare exactly. stats of 2-4-2-1, two, two, but the difference is last year's 4-2-1 team no, was no longer 4-2-1. Yeah. They started sucking. They fucking so, sucked with, yeah. last year. I mean, they had Nolan Patrick playing 3C. They had Phil Myers playing in the top four. I mean, they they, they were good. They weren't good. Who was our 4C last year? Well, let's talk about that. Scott Lawton? Was it? I mean, I, I, I legitimately don't remember who Bunneman? was behind. It, might, it honestly might have been Bunneman. Yeah, I, I legitimately don't remember who was behind Patrick. Because I know Hayes was in front of him and obviously Couturier. I legitimately don't remember who was behind Patrick. I know it wasn't Nate Thompson. <laughs> but, yeah, just the, the, the teams is just... If you've been watching the games, you know it's, it's definitely different. The, the defense had been so much different. The breakouts, the gap control, everything. The effort itself alone. Is different. I mean, Justin Braun looks like he's 25 years old. We, Everyone's talking about it. Yeah, they have identity, man. They had no identity last year. This year, guys like Broussard, Broussard, the one thing that really stuck out to me outside of his IQ, outside of his two-way ability, is the fact that he, he rides for everybody. Rides, bro. Like, he's the first man. If he's on the ice, he's the first man in the scrum. Yeah. He's awesome. I love that shit. He has a lot. I mean, I, I think I mentioned this before on the pod, but he has a lot more silky hair than I thought he did. Like his hands are, are are soft as shit. He's got some nice hands for sure. It's a world of difference to go from Nolan Patrick to Derek Broussard. It's a world of difference, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Next question, Sharon Wilkinson. Thoughts of Risto taking a puck to his face, finishing the shift, finishing the game, and plays the next game. What does all this stuff? Like that, due to the team and his teammates. I dude, I talked about this in my uh, recap. It's a great question. It's it's amazing. Like it goes back to the identity thing. Like I said, like the boys wanting to put it all on the line for each other. To be a new addition on this team. Do you remember before he made his debut and he said the physicality got him excited watching from the press box. He wanted to just get into it. Yeah, he wanted to jump out there. He said. Yeah, like this, him doing that just shows that, like, I mean, we all, everyone knew Ristolina wasn't like quote unquote all talk, but this just shows, like, man, he's he was meant that shit, like, dearly. He loves that. For him to go from Buffalo to here, a new team, and come back out with an injury like that, what a Viking. See, now this is the part in the show where the fan in me is going to start coming out because I, now I just want to keep winning hockey games, dude. Like, I want to keep winning hockey games and, I want a playoff atmosphere back in that fucking stadium, dude. Like, I want to just... Oh, 
I just, just said, let's keep this, let's keep this going, dude. Four, two, and one. Arizona tomorrow. Let's keep this going. Let's keep winning hockey games. Fucking, I want to see Ristolainen on a fucking number two in the Metro team, playing in game sixty-four. Fucking crowd going wild. Playoffs are a lot. Like, I need that, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Risto hasn't played in that environment in his entire career. He's only just 20, he's, what, 26 years old? He started his, started his career when he was 18. I need to see him in that kind of environment, environment, because that's why he came here. He's here to play physical playoff hockey for the Philadelphia Flyers, and I need to fucking see that, dude. We need to keep winning games. What's it going to feel like for Risto line? And, like, you, like, you just made me think of this. What's it going to feel like for Risto line? And, to like lay that big playoff atmosphere hit. That's what I'm saying. He's built for that kind of fucking atmosphere, dude. Never had it. He's, he's never, never had it. He's never had it once. Yeah. Not once. This whole entire team has guys who are just starving. Starving. Like, let's be honest. Derek like, Broussard, they, AV, the coach himself is starving. Fucking Hart wants Atkinson, to prove himself. Yandel, Hart, yeah. everyone. You could go down the list. Hayes when he comes back. Like, everyone, Frost, when he eventually gets called up, everyone has a chip on their shoulder, dude. Like, maybe that's what that Chuck's doing with Frost. He's like, I'm going I'm to piss him off a little bit. <laughs> Send him down there. And when he comes back up, he'll be a little bit mad, and then he'll play. I hope so. It's exciting, bro. Like, it's just, nah, let's just keep winning fucking hockey games, man. And then, when you win hockey games, and eventually Morgan Frost does get called up, he's going to come into an extremely good environment. He's going to... He already got called up, so that obviously means he's he's confident in himself, and he's he's putting up points in the AHL. And if he comes up here while we're winning hockey games, and he's confident, and he can play the way that me and you know he can play, watch the fuck out, bro. Come on. I need this shit. Let's win hockey game. Let's go. Yep, and dude, Lord even knows what's going to happen as the season goes on, like near trade deadline. I mean, I know right now there's no flexibility, but like who knows how this shit's going to play out. I have thought about that a lot. Like what... What do like, we don't even have anything to like no cap space to trade for and like no player that we would really want to give up that has cap space like Lawton would be only the only guy that I would think they like that has like three million to his cap hit that they would be willing to move but like even that being said I don't think they'd be willing to move him if they were doing well like Lawton's the guy that you want on your team doing a playoff run Chuck said it before like who would they. But who was worth money that they, they could trade if they were doing well and wanted to add somebody for a playoff run? Or if it's, it's, it's so tough to just even, like, the way this year is going to play out, you just don't know. You don't know which team who thought they were going to be good yeah. is going to miss the playoffs and be bad and want to blow it up. And you also don't know who's bad and also pretty good. Like, the Sabres start is impressive. Yeah. Without I mean, Jack all, Eichel. They always do this, but they haven't done they haven't done it like this in a in a little bit, especially yeah, without Jack. It's pretty impressive. Wolves of Broad Street. When's the next collab? ASAP. Yeah, whenever you want. Yeah, literally whenever. Gritty is king. TK back to his old agitating self is so refreshing. Need him to be a pest on the ice. The type of player other teams cannot stand playing against. I agree, dude. Agreed. I, he has that energy back that he had in 1920. 100%. The way he's firing the puck, yeah. but also the way he's... Like I got, I gotta give Konecki some credit. His two-way game improved a lot in 1920 in that All-Star season. Like he played a lot more responsibly, and I feel like you're kind of seeing that again. Like he obviously has plays where he's gonna be thrown off the puck, um, 
but he seems to have that that chip on his shoulder again. Like when he scores a goal, you see him like woo, like he's confident again. Do you know how I know that he's confident and AV knows that he's confident? He moved Konechny down to I think it was Lawton and Limblom's line, and I think it was like the, one of their first shifts out there together. Konechny completely drove the entire line. I mean, he had the puck in the offensive zone and was flying around, setting chances up left and right. And then AV eventually went back to the Drew-Couturier-Connecting line later in the period against Calgary. But that shows me right there that AV sees the line in Limblom, Lawton, and JVR that hasn't been getting going in 5-on-5. Five five. And he's like, okay, let me move JVR up with Couturier and Drew, and then I'm going to throw TK out there down there with those two and get that line going. I mean, I, that's exactly what what happened. And t- today in practice, the lines were back to normal. But to see Konechny do what he did, it just shows me that he's really on top of his game right now. He's really feeling himself. So it is nice to see. I think it was the game against the Kraken that really showed it for me. That, that rebound goal that he scored. Yeah. I, he, yeah that, he's, he's been on his game, man. And the way he's been celebrating, too. Like, like you could just, yeah, you could see the energy on him. And on everyone, honestly, you can see it on, especially Giroux. You can see so much energy in Giroux. And that goes to our next question. Jamie Martinez. Yeah, I got a question. Where are all the Giroux haters now? <laughs> I agree with you, bro. Where are they at? I mean, and, who, who, who is an actual Giroux hater that, like, we, we interact with? I don't personally know any, <laughs> any Giroux haters. I've seen them, though, for sure. Definitely have seen them. Because there's people that are going to be like, oh, come back to me when he's uh, in the, the cup final, when he leads a team, when he wins a couple playoff rounds. It's like, all right, dude. Yeah, because hockey's an individual sport. Yeah. forgot. <laughs> Jamie's always going to be on that type of time. I love Jamie. <laughs> he's always ready to talk yeah. shit. I agree with him. Though. Dude, Drew's True, energy yeah. has been fantastic. The way he's celebrating... Yeah. I, I'm funny going into the year. I was like, I love how when Drew celebrates, he almost looks kind of mad. He don't look mad no more. Like he, he looks like he's having fun. Looks like he's having fun out there. Looks like he's enjoying himself, and it's nice to see. And his willingness to shoot too has been very refreshing because we all know that Drew can shoot. It was just why aren't you doing it kind of thing. So it is nice to see. Conway, what kind of beer should I bring to Broad Street for the parade? Conway will bring all the beer. We don't have to worry about that. He will have. Miller High Life, probably some Yingling. I don't know. Yeah, just yeah. Make sure, if you have the High Life, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, High Life's definitely know. cool. Any worry that if Giroux keeps this playoff for most of the season, he becomes hard to keep under contract with the cap not increasing? No, not after what Couturier did. Honestly. Yep. Not yet. This this team seems so bought into each other, and Giroux is obviously so entrenched within the Flyers organization. That I actually had people, we talked about this before the episode, I actually had people on my Giroux articles say the reason why he's playing so well is that it's a contract year. I don't think that's a factor for Claude Giroux at all. I think this is all I want to win. I want a Stanley Cup. Giroux does not have to worry it. Look at his point totals. He doesn't have to worry about a contract. Drew at this point in his career, and we saw we saw it in the behind the scenes in, in AV's first year on the Claire Ride, the first episode. He's I I don't care about statistics anymore. If he don't care about statistics, he probably don't give a fuck about money at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's of made course, enough. Of course he's gonna of course he's gonna want what he's worth. Of course he's gonna want money, but he's not gonna he's not gonna come out. I refuse to believe that he's gonna come out and demand more than what Sean Couturier is making. 
I refuse to believe that the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers, Claude Giroux, is going to come out and ask for more than what Sean Couturier oh, no. got. He's not, no, absolutely not. So, so, Absol- I see no scenario. No, so, so like, there's no way that that's like, he is going, of course he's going to get a nice contract. His cap hit's going to be nice. He's Claude Giroux. He's still a very good player. But it's not going to be, I mean, it might be close to Sean Couturier's, but I generally don't think it's going to be more. I, I would be shocked if it was more than Sean Couturier's contract. I really would be. Shocked, because Sean Couturier has literally come out and said the reason why I took less money was because I wanted this Chuck Fletcher to build this team around me. That's literally what he said, word for word. So I would be shocked for sure. But yeah, to go back to your question, because it, it is a great thing to talk about. It's yeah. a great question to raise. It's, this is just my opinion. Like I don't think he contract is nowhere. He knows. He already knows he's not going to get like you said a Brinks truck contract. He's probably going to get less than Couturier. Do it for him, like. It's about winning. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the 8.25 that he signed all those years ago was the Brinks truck contract that he was going to get. I think that yep, was... Now it's Coots' turn. Yeah. Design tree. Absolutely love late night hockey games. Can we convince <laughs> the Flyers to have a midnight game in South Philadelphia? Wouldn't that be crazy? That would be... If I they would were just definitely like, be there. Midnight, like, what if they did it like, um, like right now, like Halloween weekend? They were like, fuck it, game at midnight. It's going to be dark. <laughs> the entire <laughs> the entire stadium is going to be turned off. They're playing in the complete dark with, with, with lights in the stands. That'd be but, terrible. Uh, that'd be brutal. Brutal. Yeah. What is it, Kevin McCormick? What is a realistic ceiling for this team after their hot start? Uh, my uh, dude, I'll take this one to start. Hockey's so funny in the way that I don't think you could put a ceiling on any damn team, dude. Even even if you're looking at who makes the playoffs at the end of the year. Go down to the eighth seed. Whatever your ceiling of that eighth seed is, will probably be wrong. I mean, yeah, look at Montreal last year. What was their ceiling two months before the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, it's, LA Kings were the eighth seed in 2012 when they won the Stanley Cup. It's like, yeah, and obviously you get in, you get hot. Yeah, and obviously those stories are few and far between, but they happen, and they happen more than you think they do. So. Kevin, our our whole thing is, I mean, like I just screamed about 10 minutes ago, we just want them to keep this consistent. Keep winning games and put yourself in a spot come February, March. Put yourself in a nice spot where you're not clawing and scratching to come back and make a playoff run. I want the Flyers to be comfortable come late March and where they are. So they're not going into every game holding their stick too tight, worrying about standings and shit like that like i want them to be comfortable and this is where you build that this is where like the foundation of that starts is in the beginning of the season with a nice hot start four two and one is good but they need to build off that so like danny said ceilings are tough especially in hockey but consistency is what we need the misery of port (laughs) i mean honestly we did just answer Vic's question too so shout out Vic and kevin Yeah, yeah shout out Vic and kevin for the questions yeah, Victor asks, is this performance sustainable for the Flyers? Yeah, we, we've kind of dove into that. Got an article about it. Got an article about it. Misery Report. Is Chris Stump's concern with the recent comments about him from the Liberty Lines' newest employee, Sylvana? Dude, yeah. I hope I'm not butchering this. I think you just did, but... Sylvana? I completely forgot Educate about, me. about this, this, uh, this question from the Misery Report. I am not concerned at all in the slightest with those comments. I don't know if Danny is, but I mean, honestly, Conway seemed pretty concerned. So did Luke. The boys did back me up, but 
I'm not. That's because the boys, the boys are real. <laughs> that's why the boys are real. Shout out to the boys. Shout out Luke. Shout out Jack. Shout out Drew, Vic, Conway, all those. Justin, everybody, Steven. I like this question a lot. Shameless, Lee SG. Who's been the biggest surprise to start? Both good and bad. Ooh, NAK is definitely my bad one. I mean, we, yeah, dude. We came into the season saying like he has to, he has to submit himself. He has to have a good start. He has to, if he wants to stick around, because there are so many guys coming in looking for his looking for roster spots. I mean, you got Allison coming back. You got Hayes coming back. Morgan Frost isn't going to be in the AHL all year. I refuse to believe that. So, yeah, NAK is definitely oh, my bad. Oh no, oh no. What? I'm about to change mine. What? And I'm sorry to do it. I don't it's, it's Oscar Lindblom for me, man. Damn, dude, really? Yeah, dude. Like, I, I mean, listen, this isn't like a me like I demand more, <laughs> but like, but I I wrote an article myself after the training camp that he had. What? What? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I wrote an article myself after the training camp he had where it looked like he was returning to his old ways and I was kind of expecting the hot start that he had in 1920 to just kind of come back. Like I said, I'm not like demanding it or anything, but if I had to put one person who who surprised me in a in a negative light, it, yeah, it'd be Oscar Lima. I'm just cuz I I thought he was going to come out and score some goals. Yeah. I mean, I can't I mean, I was just mostly kidding when I was saying that. But I think AV kind of agrees with you too, because his his ice time has gone down since October fifteenth. October fifteenth against Vancouver, he played sixteen minutes. Against Seattle, he played fourteen oh seven. Against Boston, he played fourteen forty five. Then against Florida, he played fourteen eighteen. Then against Edmonton, he played fourteen fifty seven. Vancouver thirteen eleven, and then Calgary twelve twenty seven. So I think AV not a good trend. Kind of agrees with you there, and I think that's the reason. Why we saw Connectly with Limblom and Lawton, like I just talked about like 10 minutes ago, because they wanted to see that line kind of get going a little bit. Because me and you talked about that, I think like a week or two into the season. We were like, if the first two lines could just keep going the way they are, keep playing the way they are, and then if we could just get that, get this third line going somehow, if the Flyers could have three lines going the way they are with the defense of additions that we've made, I mean, whew. But that third line just hasn't really been able to get going. Like we've seen spurts here and there, but nothing consistent enough. As far as good surprises, I'm putting Justin Braun at the top of my list. Like the way he's filled in for that Ellis role uh, with the injury, definitely. He's getting offensively active. I mean, he has like five points through seven games, right? Yeah, no, he's been. <laughs> That's pretty good for Justin Braun, man. Now Braun's been extremely good, and like it's kind of funny that he's been good. Because I kind of shit on him in my articles. Not shit on him, but I just kind of admitted that at this point in his career, he's not a guy that you want to put in the top two for a long period of time. And I think I would still stand by that comment. But as more in time goes on, as more Ellis starts to miss more games, him there in that top two obviously isn't good because Justin Braun isn't really a top two guy. But so far, so good. He's been fucking awesome, like we said. One goal, four assists, five points in the first seven games for Justin fucking Braun. 37, Wild. Uh, th- 34 years old, baby. Look at look at my man Braun, dude. I know. My man. <laughs> my man Braun. <laughs> Final question from Zach. Attack. Well, hold on. I didn't answer my, my, uh, my biggest surprise, like my good one. My apologies, Stumps. Nah, you good. You good. You said 
Who did you say? We literally just talked about him. Uh, Justin Braun. <laughs> Why am I blanking? <laughs> I'm just bl- Justin Braun. Okay, mine's Martin Jones. But it's not because I thought he was going to be bad. I actually had like a little bit of confidence in him. Not not a lot because of the season that he had. But I did look at the big picture and kind of see that like San Jose hasn't been a good team for a little bit. But I, Martin Jones has been extremely solid. Like that Boston game, everybody threw their arms up in, in, in anger that he was getting the start. And he beat a really good Boston team. And then he went to Vancouver, his hometown, and put up a stellar game there. I mean, he was... He was insanely good, 27 of 28 in a 2-1 win. I mean, that was awesome. And the Boston game, 37 of 40 in a 6-3 win. I mean, Martin Jones has stepped up, done his job, and given Carter Hart the backup that he's needed. So it's, I remember it's we texted nice. each other during the Boston game. We were like, Martin Jones was great? Question mark? Yeah. Like, we were like, dude, he was fucking he was fantastic. Awesome. Like, I texted my dad the day after because he had work, so he went to bed after the first and he was like, Martin Jones, 37 of 40. He was like, am I reading this right? And I was like, Martin Jones was fucking phenomenal last night. He was, again, like Hart was in Calgary, like one of the main reasons why we we were in that game and won that game. It was insanely good showing from him, for sure. All right, Zach Attack. Zach. Thoughts on NAK and McEwen so far? Well, I guess we kind of let our, uh, our thoughts on NAK fly right there, yeah, but... Damn. I don't think he's been that good. Uh, he had something to him at the end of 1920 that he hasn't had since. And I can't describe it. Like, he was a dangerous fourth liner in 1920. Like, he was capable of firing a wrist shot. And, sc- like, now it just seems like he's an AHL player. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what's going on with him. I mean, the penalties haven't been as as bad as previous years, but he's still taking a couple. And he hasn't really been effective. I mean, he just hasn't been good, bottom line. I mean, he's back in the lineup tomorrow from going off line pairings today. Uh, Brown's out tomorrow, so NK will have another chance to, to, to prove himself. But so far, if I had to, like, judge his first seven games, it hasn't been very good. So, Zach McEwen, um, he's I mean, he, yeah, he's just doing what he, like, was, was picked up to do. The fight was really. fun. The fight yeah. that he was in was really cool. The way he like pumped the crowd up after that, he's he taking the body a lot. He's taking a couple of boneheaded penalties though. Definitely need to uh, clean that up. Ristolainen has too a couple of interference penalties in front of the net that just need to stop. Like I understand that you're trying to clear the crease, but with the way that they're calling cross checks right now, chill out until we get around playoff time because you know that they'll stop calling it. So after this game against Arizona, we got Pittsburgh on the road and then. The games that I love, and you know I love, Flyers, Capitals games. Yeah, you do love Capitals. Those games, those are, those are wild card games, dude. I love them because you just you don't know what's going to happen. You really don't. The Flyers could go out and win 8-1. <laughs> yeah, I know. Or they can The Capitals are playing great, though. I mean, I know they just out. lost to the Lightning, but the Capitals are the Capitals, man. They're just like the Penguins. It's like culture. Like, they just don't go away even if someone is missing from the lineup or if they have to sell off a couple core pieces in the offseason they'll come back with some randomly generated npc who will just tear up the league like dude i was watching the um penguins game what's this guy's name o'connor do you know i'm talking about yeah i know exactly who you're talking about lighting it up like he's light sam lafferty like these guys are tearing the maple leaves up like who are you <laughs> exactly like dude i swear like that's like the guy they put on your wing in dude, esHL dude their 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 points leader is danton heinenen 
and their second player is Drew O'Connor. Yo, this They're, is what I'm talking about. Dude, hold on, hold on. Let me go down their list real quick of their point leaders, bro. This is incredible. I know Malkin and, and Crosby haven't played, but this is crazy. Dayton Heinen, Drew O'Connor, Evan Rodriguez, Brock McGinn, Jason Zucker, Marcus Pedersen, John Marino, Jeff Carter, Dominic Simone, and Jake Gensel. That's insanity. That's insane. That's it's, culture. Is what bro, that like, is. they're not. They're three, three, and two. Their first eight games. Like it's not like they're snapping, but I'm surprised they're not. They don't have a worse record than that. I am very surprised. And now Me Crosby's too. back, so they'll just never die. <laughs> I know, the Penguins dude. will never ever die. Ever. I want to go in. And tear them up on Thursday. That's a big game, dude. I I want. I'm excited for it. We say I'm that really every excited. game. <laughs> dude, these games are big. Like Calgary's a tough team that's playing well. Edmonton's tough. Yeah, Edmonton. Florida is like one of the best teams in the East. Boston's no slouch either. And like this is the reason why I say this game is big is because I think it's the first metropolitan division yeah. battle. Like an important interdivision actual rival. Like I, I know Boston's a rival, but like you know what I mean, bad yeah. blood rival. I'm ready for it, and and we play good in Pittsburgh. We always play good in Pittsburgh. They're always fun games, like highly dramatic games. It feels like. Um, it's gonna be and fun. It feels like Crosby scores hey. in the first forty seconds and like half of them, but Crosby's back and Marissa Lyons in the lineup. I'm ready for that. I've been the day we traded from the first thing that popped in my head was I need to see Ristolain and just destroy Crosby. That's all I need to see. I need and I need to see him give him a nice shoulder check. Bad. But yeah, that's pretty much yeah. the week we have ahead. Do you have anything else to add before we wrap? Nah, man, it was a pretty good episode. Sixty-five minutes. Looking to to go five, two, and one tomorrow. I'm excited. Gonna definitely keep you updated with with the prospects. You got Elliot Dehernay absolutely tearing up the QMJHL but um I've seen a lot of people like not a lot I've seen a couple people like tell people to calm down because it's the QMJHL oh we're having fun no hold on I kind of agree with it because like the QMJHL is a very offensive league so I don't want people to like think this is the second coming of Braden Point but it is still nice seeing him do what he does. It's like 135th overall pick. Like, yeah, like you said, we're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy him putting up points. Like, what? 100%. Especially when I see, like, the plays he's making. Like, yeah. some of the goals he's scoring, he's crashing the net hard. Just shit you like to see out of a player who plays in the queue. Like, it seems like he's playing responsibly. We're playing responsibly, and he's playing in the dirty area who he's going to score goals in other leagues, for sure. And he, for a smaller guy, he plays a very big game. Not eight goals, ten assists, eighteen points in the first nine game. He's eighth in the QMJHL overall. So, I mean, you talked about it. He was the leader for a little bit last year. What's he going to do this year? Right now, he's eighth. So, leader has twenty four points. So he's not that far behind. Six points. Yeah, I'm just going to keep enjoying watching him progress and get better. Yeah. Glad he's in Halifax. Me too. Glad he's not in fucking like Lehigh Valley or something. Yeah. Like- right before we end. Let's talk about Samu because we talked about Morgan and we kind of got carried away. We talked about how Tyson, we feel bad for him. York talked about him. But we didn't talk about Samu. And me and you uh, talked I, about... I threw his name in there, but we definitely didn't go Yeah, no, we didn't get in into... deep because we talked deep about it with text. And right before we wrap this up, I just want to... If... Okay. If he's going to... If he's going to be yo-yoed the way he's been yo-yoed. I mean, I, and I know Ian LaPerriere has actually been a pretty big component in 
and him like being with the Phantoms, but I don't understand the fact that like why why is he in the press box if he's not going to be playing? Like why is he there if he's not going to be playing is what I should say, not in the press box. Why is he in the AHL if he's not going to be on the ice? Like I and I've seen people use the excuse like, "Oh, you definitely learn learn some stuff when you're up in the press box than when you're on your ice." And for sure, like you can definitely learn some stuff from a different perspective. For, like I'm definitely not denying that, but he's 18 years old. He he needs to be playing hockey. And what is he learning necessarily? Watching a team that can't break a puck. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's where I was gonna go. I mean, yeah, it's one thing to like let a kid watch a good team and like the way they're flowing, but if you're letting him sit up there and watch an O five and two team. Then I don't know what's going on. Like he, he, I said it to you last night, he could be in the OHL playing as the star of his team, as the the Woodsbury Wolves or the, the yeah. Sudbury Wolves. Like he could be the top player on that team instead of sitting in the press box eating popcorn. And like, yeah, you can definitely learn a few things. But like Danny just said, what the fuck are you learning from a team that literally can't break a puck out? I mean, they have been a bad hockey team. A hockey team has not been able to keep a lead. A hockey team that doesn't want to shoot a puck. And the hockey team that hasn't scored a lot of goals. So it, it, he, he should be weird. in the spot Day Noyer is kind of in, just tearing up juniors. Exactly. Just, he should just be every playing, night yeah. going out there getting two to three points, lighting up juniors. That's what I mean. He should be playing hockey and just getting the games under his belt. But he's not. And like the the whole the whole point of the excitement around him playing in the AHL was the thought of him actually fucking playing in the AHL and getting games. Like he's Garrett Wilson got suspended last Sunday, like last Saturday night into Sunday for the Sunday game because he instigated a penalty, and apparently that, that's a one-game suspension in the AHL or something like that, and then Samu got inserted to the lineup. So the only re- the only way he's entering the lineup right now is if Garrett Wilson gets suspended or somebody gets hurt, knock on wood. But, I mean, at this point, just send him back to the OHL. Let him go play hockey. I just want to get that off my chest. Absolutely, I agree with you, dude. It's kind of weird the situation with him. Yeah, especially because when you could have could have just put him in his junior team, could have let him. Goes back to them putting too many eggs in the fam's basket. Exactly. But um, yep. Follow us on Twitter at the Liberty O. Follow us anywhere at the Liberty O. At Tly Danny at Chris Stumps. Be sure to use promo code Liberty O at Parks for a risk-free bet up to five hundred dollars. Just deposit twenty-five or more. Thank you so much, and go floor.